So we're, we are wrapping up a series today called Peace and Love. And so we've been looking at Romans 12, where Paul lists four virtues about um, all around relationships, how to treat each other, how to speak truth in love, how to live in harmony. Uh, we've looked at these four different words. Uh, Dr. Doug Gaming kicked it off with love, and he did an incredible job. Um, and then I did honor. So that's one of the virtues. We looked at what it means to honor the people in our lives. What does it mean to honor the leaders in our community and even the ones that we don't agree with? And last week, Chamba came all the way from El Salvador um, and, and talked about harmony and how to live in harmony. And then today, we save the best for last. Um, today, is, we're talking about peace. Peace. You know, money can buy you a lot of stuff, but it can't buy you peace. And how important is peace? I mean, how do, you, how do you put a value on peace? Shalom is the Hebrew word. How do you put a value on a good night's sleep? How do you put a value on living in harmony and love and honoring the people around you, having peaceful relationships, peace? Paul talks about this. He gives us some really good insight on how important peace is. And I finished, I read a book last year that a friend told me about, and it changed my life. It's called Garden of Peace. It's not a Christian book. It was written by Rabbi Shalom Ahiri. And he wrote this book about peace in the home. And I'm not Jewish. I don't know many practicing Jews. But if you are a practicing Jew or you know someone who is a Jew, they believe that peace in the home is the most important virtue that you can have as a servant of God. Peace in the home. It's more important than going to synagogue, according to this rabbi, Shalom. It's more important than any of the commandments. You can do all that stuff. But according to this book, Garden of Peace, it's peace in the home that demonstrates the presence of God in the earth. And it makes sense. Makes sense why the devil fights family so bad. It makes sense why when you get married, it's like a bullseye gets put on you. Right? It makes sense that kids can turn against parents and parents can turn against kids. And it makes sense that the devil would not want peace in your home if that's true. Because peace in the home, according to this rabbi, is more important than anything else. Because I'm finding in my life I can face hell at work and in the world and have a terrible day. But when I come home, it's a sanctuary. And when home, when the peace is disturbed at home, everything is disturbed, right? It impacts my life. It impacts every area of my life. I mean, and, and, and the thing about it is, you know, Paul writes about living at peace and, in, and he's talking about living at peace with our enemies, and, and I want to know, have you ever had an enemy in your life? If you brought them here, don't look over. <laughs> really, have you ever had an enemy? I don't, I don't know if you can live this life and at some point not have an enemy. If you, I mean, I guess if you do nothing, be nothing, and stand for nothing, 
or go live on an island somewhere by yourself, but then you're there. And so I, I, I thought about my first enemy. Have I, I don't know if I've told you the story about the time I got kicked out of middle school. Have I told you all that story? I've saved this one. You're like, really? Oh, yeah. There was this kid when I was in seventh grade, and he was bigger than I am now, okay? And just to give you perspective, I'm not kidding. Uh, just to give you perspective, I was 4'11 in the 10th grade. I sat on a phone book driving to high school. Go ahead, laugh it up, Christians. Yeah. I had a complex. I looked up everywhere I went my whole life. And this kid, big kid, he, he was a bully. He was a bully. And he called me names that I can't say here at church. I told my wife, but I can't say them here. Shorty, shrimp. He was mean. Just really mean. And I had like, back, I, I, for some reason in middle school, you got like 10 classes. I don't know why they do that. As soon as you feel like you got something figured out, the bell rings and now you're moving to something else. But we had like 18 classes and I had him in like half of them. And this kid was so mean. And I was a pretty quiet, I mean, my mom's here. So she, she, could, she would forget I was in the house sometimes. I was a pretty quiet guy, still am. I can, I can disappear by myself and, and be totally fine. I, you know, I'm not trying to pick fights. Again, I was 4'11 in the 10th grade, so I, I just kept to myself. And this kid just kept picking on me and bullying me, and um, it, it started building up in me. And so I knew I couldn't take him by myself. I knew it, like he was big. And so I got three of my friends that I rode the bus with, the scrappiest guys you'll ever meet from Milton, Florida at the time. And we got a plan. And I said, all right, he, I know where fourth period, I know where he goes for fifth period. Tony, I want you to hold the door in the hallway. And then Frankie was the big one. Okay, Frankie was the biggest kid at the school. And I paid him. <laughs> I said, I want you to grab him. And, and I'm going to just let, I got to get this kid back. I can't stand it. And there's one thing, I'm a lot of things, but there's one thing I'm not. And that's a snitch. And so I wasn't going to tell the teacher. I wasn't going to tell nobody about it. I was just going to handle it. And so that's what we did. Tony hold the door. Frankie grabbed him from around the back. And I just moved my little four-foot self standing on a, a book to hit him in the mouth. We went, I, I just, I don't even remember. I kind of blacked out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, it just, something triggered in me. And we beat him. I, I, I mean, they held him. The door was held. And, and then they had to pull me off of them because it had built up for months. So then I went to the guidance counselor's office and they, they were like, okay, hang on a second. Now, here's Nathan, you know, like, and then here's this other kid and you're telling me. And then, you know, they figured out that I'd paid people, whatever. <laughs> and then it didn't help that, it, I'm going to just say his name. His name was Trenton. His dad was the resource officer at the school. Yeah, Mama, yeah, it's funny now, ain't it? I got suspended. I had to transfer schools. They threw the book at me. Didn't want to hear about what he had said and what he had done, how he bullied me, didn't care. But I'll never forget that feeling coming back. It felt good. Doesn't it? Let's just be honest with each other. 
We like to get revenge. Especially when it's the bully. Nobody liked him. He was mean to everybody. He had it coming. We like to watch the movies like that, right? Where the villain gets what he had coming. We love it. And when I read the Old Testament, that's the way the world worked back then. They used to sing songs. David was a man after God's own heart. They used to sing songs about him, about the amount of people that he had killed. Said Saul had killed thousands, but David had killed tens of thousands of people singing in a church, right? That's, I mean, seriously, help me for a minute. This is boggled my mind. In the Old Testament, you cross the Israelites, God would just rain fire down from heaven. Bam! Gaza would be gone right now. Hamas would be done. Old Testament style. You've, everybody feared the Israelites. It was eye for an eye. That's the way it worked. And so now I want to read our text. And this is what Paul says now. A few thousand years after the Old Testament. Romans 12, verse 17. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Really? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, somebody say, if it's possible. If it's possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Mm, don't like that. My dear friends, leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, he will heap burning coals on his head. Good, he should burn. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Verse, 20, uh, verse 21. Do not, whew, do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to look particularly at that one portion there of Live at peace with all men, as far as it depends on you. Now, that word peace there, live at peace, it's a verb. It means to cultivate peace. It means that I have to take action because I live in a world where there's people that don't like me. You live in a world right, where people hurt you. They say things about you. They bully you. They do things that are wrong. They don't have boundaries. You give them an inch, they take a mile. You ever had an enemy? Maybe you have one right now. Maybe you have somebody at work you know, if they could, they would throw you under the bus in a heartbeat, right? Or at school, or maybe you had a a boss that just didn't like you and you kept getting overlooked and overlooked and overlooked and it was a personal thing. And I mean, we're not talking like, you know, guns pointed at each other enemies and those are out there. I'm talking about in your day-to-day -day life. And Paul's telling us here that we should not take revenge 
but that we should cultivate peace. What does that mean? I think number one, in order for me to find peace in my life, because I want it, I have to make peace. In order to find peace, I have to make peace. Because my natural inclination, if you're anything like me, is to get revenge. It's getting quiet. My, my, can I have a mic? Can you somebody bring me a mic? My nat- natural inclination is... There we go. Okay. It's to hit back. And, and what Paul is telling us to do here is that when we have these enemies in our lives, that there's a lesson in it. In the Old Testament, I think it was totally fine to get back. I think in the Old Testament, it was totally fine to, to react and respond But Jesus introduced, and and here's Paul kind of echoing on what Jesus said, that if, if, if the person that is hurting you, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And, 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 and what I, I want you to see, because I know that there are people that you really have, ser- like, you've got serious enemies. Like, you've got restraining orders, right? Let's be real. There's people that can't come within a certain amount of feet of you. I know that. I've thought about filing a few. No, I'm just kidding. No. no. So what about those people? And I love that Paul put this in there. As much as it depends on you. Because I don't know if it's possible to live at peace with everybody. What does that mean? That means we're not going to be getting coffee down at the Starbucks. We're not going to be hanging out on the weekends. Right? And it says, as much as it depends on you, that means that there's some things that I got to do because when I hold on to grudges and when I hold on to hurt and when I hold on to pain and when I start keeping score with people in my life that you did this to me, I'm going to do this back, that it's a really bad way to live. It's a really bad way to live because what happens is it doesn't impact that person. It impacts you. And as far as it depends on you, well, what, how, what does that mean? That means when there's somebody in your life and you know that we're not clicking and, and we, are, we are going in different directions, doesn't mean that I got to be this person's best friend. But if they hurt you, you should tell them. If I could go back to middle school, maybe I could have had an, an adult conversation with this kid and said, hey, I don't like the way you're treating me. I, I don't know. Maybe I could have gone to the teacher, probably, but I wasn't a snitch. Come on. No, no, I, I just didn't want to do that. You know, may, there, there's, there's ways to resolve things before it gets to that point. There's ways to resolve things before it gets combative. Because I'm finding in life that even when people hurt you and hurt me, that two wrongs don't make a right. They don't. Even if they, I thought he deserved every bit of what he got. I did. And I could tell you other stories where I've done stupid stuff like that. Thankfully, I got away with it. (laughs) But um, anyways, but God has called us, me and you, Christians, to be peacemakers. 
There's not another religion like it on the planet. That we're called to make peace. We're called to go out of our way to not to avoid peace or to keep peace, but to make peace. That speaking truth and love is part of that. The, all these virtues kind of roll, I think, into this last one. That letting people know if somebody is, is offending you, if somebody is, you know, I, I, one person said it to me. I was holding on to a grudge. I was talking to a pastor. I was holding on to a grudge. I said, they, you know, they left the church. They sent hate mail to everybody they knew. That's happened. How could you not like me? You know, so, no, I'm just kidding. And so I'm complaining on the phone. I'm like, I think everybody's there. They just don't like me. You know, I, I started taking it personal. He said, this is what I want you to do, Nathan. I want you to go down to Lowe's. I want you to get a ladder and get over it. <laughs> I figured I'd share that with you because I'm, I've got a lot of ladders these days. It's not worth it. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to, now, now, like back when we first planted the church, I would have ran people down. Hey, tell me why, what's going on? What are, can I make it right? Then Now, God bless you. Praying for you. You know, it happens. You know, things happen. People leave, people come, and people go. But we take it personal sometimes. I can take it personal. We, you know, and, and so I think what Paul is saying here is, is it's really hard to take the high road. It's an expensive ladder. But it's worth it. Well, why do we do that? Why should I forgive the person that hurts me? You don't know what they did. You got a cute story from middle school. I know what you're thinking. You got a real cute story from middle school. But, but, I mean, this is real hurt. We're talking, there's lawyers involved. There's stuff going, like, this is bad. I think the Bible talks about that. And it uses this word, Reconciliation. That the way that we make peace in our life, I'm not saying we let everybody off the hook, but Paul is saying let God do his job. He says leave room for God's wrath. You are not the judge. You're not sitting at the high seat there sorting things out. And what begins to happen in life, especially when we have a lot of enemies or we've been really, really hurt, we start keeping score with people. We remember. And that word reconciliation is, we make peace through reconciliation. It, it, it's, a, it's a banking term. Paul says, hey, don't repay evil for evil. He's using banking terms. He says, I, I know they took this from you, but it doesn't mean that you got to take it, take it back in the same amount. He's using bank. It's like a ledger. Imagine a line here, a line item. He's saying, don't repay evil for evil. He said, I want, if you want to really make peace in your life and you want to live in peace, and now I, maybe you don't. This is hard to do. I'm not saying that this just happens overnight because people really, really, I mean, we live in a fallen world, y'all. And there are people, I mean, I, I believe, you know, According to the book of Proverbs, and, and there's even in the New Testament, there are people who are, they're evil. The Bible says just separate from them, right? The book of Proverbs is clear about it. It, it puts people in three categories. There's evil people, there's foolish people, and there's wise people. And some people just make a whole life out of the first one. Because we got a little bit of all of them in us. 
Because we can all be evil at times, and we can all be foolish at times, and we can be wise sometimes. But what do we do? How do we not keep score? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. It basically means I'm going to keep the account at zero for the people in my life that have hurt me. I'm going to keep it at zero. I'm not going to sit in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to stay somewhere where I'm being harmed or my family's being harmed. I'm not saying that. But what I'm not going to do is place myself in the seat of the judge and take revenge in my own hands and get them back or live with that in my heart. See, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And so some people don't just strike back. They just pull back silently. Come on. They pull their love back, their, their time. They stop showing up. And you can tell there's something going. And, and I know we're talking about enemies like they're, you know, on a whole nother, in a whole nother world or planet. But what happens when, when you, you get at odds with your spouse? I tell people, Caitlin and I have been married 15 years. We've had one fight. It's lasted 15 years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, sorry. No, <laughs> anyways, but, <laughs> I'm joking. But it happens. She's an angel, but I've disagreed with her. We've had some, we've had some fights, right? How do you handle that? You keep score? You, re, you know, you try, you know tr try that for a while. Do you remember back in... 1999 when you said this and you know like no 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 please like like we and, and the thing about it is we try to we try to interact with people that way and when we do that it just flows into our relationship with God and we think God works that way that's reconciliation that's Jesus brought your account to zero and we've all made mistakes we've all sinned We've all fallen short. We've all been a bully at one point. We've all got a villain in us. It's crazy to me that the best villains were good at one time. You notice that? They were heroes at some point, and then they just thought that they were going to bring justice into their own hands. This is what the Bible says about that. 2 Corinthians, all this is from God who reconciled us. Somebody say reconciliation. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And what does that mean? Not counting men's sins against them. That's good news, y'all. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. That's powerful. This is not shout me down stuff here. This is hard stuff. I know, I mean, put your tray tables up because it might get bumpy because I'm not done. But I'm telling you, this one thing right here has ripped apart more churches and families than anything I've ever seen in my life. In my life. People that hold on to grudges. They hold on to offense. 
They hold on to the, and I'm not saying that what happened to you was okay. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that forgiveness and letting things go, the blessing is really for you. Can y'all handle this? Can we go to the Lord's Prayer? Lord, help me. Because in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus talks about, y'all know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father art in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So there's six things in that prayer, but there's only one that Jesus loops around and mentions again. Verse 12. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, how do you explain that? And I think this is what it means. It means the person that is keeping score in their life, that's keeping track of the wrongs and rights, that that person can't fully receive the love of God in their life, and it's evident by the way that they're treating others. That's what I think that means. And this is so hard to do. And I, could, I wish I could tell you some of the stories I wanted to tell you about the people that I've had to forgive, that I didn't want to forgive. And I'm talking decades. I was mad. I can hold a grudge. I can get angry. I can get even. And I'm talking 20 years. And I had no idea it was impacting me until the Lord brought stuff up in my life. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm talking recent. And I had to make peace. I had to write letters. I had to let people know, hey, you know what? That was really bad. But I, I, I just want you to know I forgive you. I've had to write letters to people that ask for forgiveness because I know what I did was really bad and, I, and, I, and I, I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm talking about making peace. I'm talking about reconciliation, keeping our accounts at zero, keeping our accounts at zero with other people. I mean, and, and I know that this is, it's easy to do that when it's somebody we don't really know. It's really hard to do with people that are really tight inside our circle. And that's where the enemy really fights. It's not the person that you can leave the job. You can just quit and get another one of those. It's the relationships you really, really cherish. A lot of times where the enemy will come in and he will try to sow this stuff. And he will try to split up families and turn kids against their parents and turn parents against their kids. Is anybody hearing me? And I think forgiveness is impossible without the miracle power of God. That's what I've come. And I could give you a definition about it. And we could talk about it for another, I mean, 5 or 10, 20 minutes. We could talk about it for probably months. But I think one of the powerful things that the Holy Spirit does in our life is he gives us the ability to let things go. Just let it go. Not forget it. Because it happened. Not act like nothing, you know, not, act, not ignore it. But the ability to receive the forgiveness that we need from God so that we can forgive those that are in our lives. And that's what brings the peace of God. 
Jesus said it like this, I, I, I'm, I'm peace I leave with you, John 14. My peace I give you. I, I do not give you as the world gives, but don't, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Ephesians 2 talks about this peace of God that comes. That, that, and, I, and I want you to see the difference because it's, peace doesn't mean that you're living at peace with everybody in your life. I don't think that's what it means. I don't know if that's possible. There's, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. That's, all, that's always going to happen. Matthew 24, I mean, we're, we're, that's part of the, the, the age that we live in, and I don't, think it's going to, I don't think it's going to get any better. But one of the things that we're told about Jesus in Isaiah 700 years before he came is that he would be the prince of peace, the captain of peace. And in Mark chapter 4, last story I want to tell you, and then we're going to pray. Jesus got through with a lot, a big, several days of ministry in a row, and he gets on a boat with his disciples, and they're heading across this, this body of water, and it says a storm came. And so this boat is rocking, this boat is shaking, and the disciples are freaking out because they think they're going to die. And so this is the cool thing about this story. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. And so the disciples, you know, scared, thought that they were, you know, that this was it for them. They, they ran and they woke Jesus up. Now up to this point, have you ever been offshore in a boat and a storm pops up? This, this, okay, this is like, you, you can get in trouble out there fast. They're panicking. And at this point, Jesus has never done anything with nature. He's never commanded any kind of, you know, what he's about to do and what he does in this story. It, it, it lets everybody know that was on that boat who he is. And they wake Jesus up. They're at the point of, of giving up. They're at the point of like, okay, the, the boat is going down. And this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. That there are people that you, there's people close to you and you're here this morning and you feel like maybe your boat is taken on water. There's conflict in your home, where you're living, where you're staying. The disciples had it. And I bet they tried a lot of different things before they went and woke Jesus up. I bet they tried to change the sails. I bet they tried to row. I bet they tried. I mean, we don't see this in the story, but I bet they tried to take things into their own hands because Peter, while he was a professional fisherman, several of them were. This isn't their first time in a storm. They knew what they were doing on, on, the, I mean, on, the, on the water. These were experienced fishermen. But they went and woke Jesus up. What does that mean? To me, it means they, they, they brought that conflict to the awareness of Christ. And I want to know this morning, do you have any conflict in your life, in a relationship? Is there, are, you, are you separated right now from someone that you really love? And I really believe that God wants to heal some relationships in our life and speak something into your relationships this morning, just like he did with that storm. It says he stood up and he said three things, peace, 
be still. And they lost it. Jesus had never spoken to, the, to nature. And he had done a lot of miracles, but they didn't know he could control the wind and the waves. They didn't know that he could take a boat that was about to go down in the middle of a storm and quiet a storm. And I want you to know that maybe this conflict that you're in, you, you, you've tried a lot of different things, but, but are you willing? Are you willing? One more time. To ask Jesus to speak peace over that relationship. It's worth a shot. Because I'm finding that peace is not the absence of conflict. We're always going to have it. But it's the presence of Christ in our life and in our relationships. And the more that we bring him into our life and into our relationships, the more peace we're going to have. The more that we model our relationships after the way that he lived, the more peace we're going to have. And what does that look like? That looks like turning the other cheek. That looks like praying for our enemies. That looks like feeding the ones that that want to hurt us. And it looks like writing a letter and going and getting a gift card from Waffle House and saying, thank you for what you did. You taught me a lesson. See ya. (laughs) But hey, at least it's right. You're You're not waking up in the middle of the night. You're not carrying it around. Your blood pressure doesn't go through the roof when you run into them somewhere or you think they're going to be there. Like there's a way to make peace and it's the hard way, but it's the Christ way. Because I think it's impossible to forgive without his help. I think it's impossible to forgive because some of you have been hurt. It's, it's, it's just even talking about this is, is, is hard. So I want you to just right now bow your head and uh, we're going we're gonna to pray together and worship. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down front, please, if they would. And I want you to experience peace. I want to experience peace. And God said that you could have it. You can have peace in your home. You can have peace in your relationships. It doesn't matter how conflicting they may be right now. Doesn't matter how bad the storm may seem right now in your life. I'm going to ask you if you will signal Jesus. (laughs) Just like those disciples went down there and woke him up on that boat and he spoke, peace be still. We need to experience the peace of God in our relationships, in our homes in our marriages, at our schools, on the job, if you have a relationship that is conflicting right now, I believe that God wants to bring peace. And so if that's you, I want you to signal heaven and just slip that hand up so that I can pray for you. I want peace. Peace. Thank you. I I, I want this peace. And I need this peace. Whatever it may be, whatever relationship, doesn't matter. I need this peace. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I pray for every hand that went up and the ones that didn't. Lord, we receive your peace today. We receive your peace today. And Lord, we open our hearts to whatever it is that we need to do to make peace. I might need to write a letter this week. I might need to text somebody this week. 
I may need to set up that lunch that I've been putting off for months and giving excuses on why I can't meet with that person because I'm harboring something that I might need to do that this week. Holy Spirit, we want to be peacemakers. Show us the pathway to peace, Lord. Give us the ability to forgive those that have hurt us. Give us the ability, Lord, to walk in peace, even in conflicting seasons. Give us the power, Lord, to do what you were able to do and to release the people in our life that have hurt us, to bring the, the balance to zero. Lord, we trust you. 